Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bow, and myself wrap up our discussion on the third article of the Apostles' Creed. Welcome to the Being Lutheran podcast. I'm Pastor Brett Bow. I'm joined by my bros. All right, we are in North Minneapolis, but come on, man. I can't even. Hashtag I can't. I'm Pastor Jason Goodo. And Pastor Ryan Ricky. Oh, Thanks for joining good. me here. <laughs> Sorry. Just, you know, and it's funny because we're like the whitest people ever. Yeah, so. right, exactly. Yeah. We, we kind of call you the point guard on this, and what you did is you just threw a no-look pass I wasn't ready for and broke my nose, man, is what Jason just happened. Yeah. You, did you rattle your cage a little I'm, bit? I'm shocked. I'm yes. shaken. I, uh, I love it. Jason's speechless. I'm going to write yeah. this down. Yeah, it's um, first time for yeah. everything. March. <laughs> I can say April now. 19. Now I can say I accomplished something today. Yeah, in yeah. being Lutheran land, it's April now. It is, but it's physically here. March yeah. 6th right, right now for us. <laughs> and this is the fourth episode recording. We can get a little loopy. That's just a we're, warning. We're, we're finishing the creed yeah. today. Yes. We're finishing the creed. We're forever oh. being done with it. Next time, yeah, we're done. We've, we've mm. moved beyond yeah. the commandments. We'll be moving <laughs> beyond the creed, uh, and we'll be starting on the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. How about that? We're, about we're in that cycle of confessing, repenting. Yeah. Receiving grace. And now we're yeah. confessing again the truth of God's word. That's right. Amen. Yep. And, and the power of the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's right. And, and we're going to look at that in John chapter 16. So turn with me to John 16. And I'm going to read uh, verse 5 through 11 in that chapter. So without further ado, here it is. Uh, it says this in Jesus' name I read. But now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Here ends the reading of God's word. Amen. 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 So what's what is it about this text that <laughs> leads us to think of sanctification? Of all the texts to talk about in scripture. Just on one side note, aside from the Great Commission, this is a great text mm-hmm. to establish the person of the Holy Spirit in the in yeah. the context of the Trinity. And mm-hmm. so uh, a definite article is definitely there talking about the Holy Spirit. It mm-hmm. is a distinct, it's not a Holy Spirit, it is the yep. Holy Spirit. And, well, and you can't make sense of Pentecost without this, pen- this, yeah. out pass- this passage. If you, if you leave behind the descriptive passages of the Holy Spirit in mm-hmm. the Gospels, then Pentecost becomes about speaking in tongues. Yeah. And that's not what Pentecost is about. It's about preaching the Gospel. Mm-hmm. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. And yep. so, so the reason why we're here to answer your original question mm-hmm. is that the operative element of the third article of the Creed is the work of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Remember, it's God who sanctifies in the person of the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit applies scripture to our lives. Mm-hmm. And this is the threefold description of the Holy Spirit's work is what happens as the word is is mm-hmm. applied. Yep. Is that he convicts. That's the he's the convictor. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the Holy Spirit convicts of sin. Meaning, convict, just flesh out, what does convict mean? Well, uh, another translation, I think I've seen in a couple other versions, we use the ESV here, mm-hmm. uh, you and I. Uh, I think, Brian, you're an ESV guy too. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes. Sometimes. Uh, I, I particularly am fond of the way the ESV handles the Old Testament. Uh, but here, another way to translate this, I believe, is convince. Sure. Yeah, that that's uh, good. So, mm-hmm. the, so, so really... As you look at it, what you can say about the Holy Spirit is He is the great worker mm-hmm. of assurance. Yeah, uh, and He's assurance. He works assurance of your sin. Right. Uh, he He makes you certain that you're a sinner. That's one of the works of the Holy Spirit. Then He assures you of your salvation, mm-hmm. and He assures you of your eternity, your victory mm-hmm. over your enemies of sin, death, and the devil. And that's mm-hmm. the threefold work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, I think one of the most stunning things in all of this is that Jesus says to His disciples, "It's to your advantage that I go." Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of like one of those uh, come again moments in the New Testament. How could it ever be possible that being apart from the presence of Christ would be a better thing? Uh, but we're not apart, and that's maybe well, the real revelation that was to come, and that they, they it, it brought the presence of Christ and the completed work of Christ to us. You have bringing the presence of Christ, you have the spiritual presence of Christ, you can go there. But also what he's alluding to is that redemption is done. It's a completed work. Now that Christ has ascended... To the right hand of the, mm-hmm. the, that's the that's the outcome of Tetelestai. It is finished. And now Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, not a location, but a title, mm-hmm. uh, interceding on our behalf with His yeah. wounds, with His yeah. blood, uh, convincing the Father of our redemption. And it's not like the Father needed His mind changed, but it's a great celebration because the Father delights to redeem us. Yeah. And so now we have the work of the Holy Spirit taking the completed corpus of Scripture. And applying it to our lives. Genesis 1-1 to the very end of Revelation, all of that is delivering Christ. All of that is convicting us of sin, Mm -hmm. forgiving us of sin, telling us how to lead our lives as Christians, and promising, holding out the hope of eternity for us. That's the purpose Mm -hmm. of the scriptures. So can any of you guys guess why I love this section of scripture? Talks about the Trinity. It's a Trinitarian work of <laughs> yes. salvation. It's, uh, yeah. And we do, we, we separate and compartmentalize the work of the Trinity and mm-hmm. salvation too much. And Jesus doesn't, mm-hmm. not at all. In fact, he, yeah. he stresses it. Not when you have the three persons. Anytime you have the three persons of the Trinity active in scripture together, mm-hmm. you want to take note of that. And so we have Father uh, as the destination. The Son is speaking. The Holy Spirit is promised. This is a big, important passage in scripture. Amen. Yep. You know, we want to highlight all of those passages where the three persons of the Trinity uh, are are together. In every one of those passages, something significant is happening. Mm-hmm. You start at Genesis 1. You have the three persons of the Trinity there as described by Colossians. Mm-hmm. Father creates uh, with the Son through the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus is there at creation. The Holy Spirit's there mm-hmm. at creation. Jesus' baptism. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the, all three persons. The yeah. Isaiah 6 passage. Two human senses. Yeah, so all three right. persons of the Trinity are there in yep, the baptism. Yep. Yep. Yeah, the Isaiah, the, the threefold holy, 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 absolutely. Yeah. In the entire book of Revelation, all of this is going on. Mm-hmm. And, and this is one of those passages. And like I said, again, this passage reigns us in from getting crazy about the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you think about our, our, our distant cousins and the assemblies of God and how they make the Holy Spirit the prime mode of the Trinity in their, confe- in their confession. And, you know, in our humble interpretation of that is that the assemblies of God is way off base here. That's not what the Holy Spirit is doing. That's, that's not the display of power on um, Pentecost that's the focus. Mm-hmm. It's the reversal of 
uh, the Tower of Babel mm-hmm. is the focus. It's the gospel being preached in all languages instead of all languages confusing the people of God. And mm-hmm. so this is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's always consistent yep. and contemporary happening at the same time with the gospel. And it's always Trinitarian. Yes. Always Trinitarian. Yes. So uh, we got your buzzword out of the way. Got to say vocation just to get that vocation. 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 Well, you think about how this applies to the Christian life and it's there. So the first work of the Holy Spirit is what, according to this passage? Awkward oh, silence yeah. for Was Sunday that a rhetorical class? question? No, it's not no, a rhetorical question. <laughs> Here's a secret for people who are members of churches and not pastors. Every time your pastor asks you a question in Bible class, not a rhetorical question. Okay? <laughs> so that awkward silence is brought to you by pastors who have taught classes everywhere. Yes. Mm-hmm. So try again. What's the first work of the Holy Spirit according to this passage? Oh, ooh, ooh. Brett. Yeah. <laughs> I, rose, I raised my hand there. Very uh, Decently in order. Yes, yeah, 1 yes, Corinthians yes. 14, 40, Christian, if there ever was one. That's right. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> concerning sin. Concerning yes. sin. So the Holy Spirit in your Christian life is convicting you of sin. How does that happen? happen. Mm-hmm. It's the preaching of the law, yeah, right? right. Uh, the law comes into play into your life as showing you your failures. Mm-hmm. Remember, we have the functions of the law as a yep. curb, right. as a mirror, and as a guide. We also have the purposes of the law mm-hmm. to uh, declare to us the holy will of God, to prepare us for our Savior, and to protect our neighbor from our sinful selves. Here we've got those second function and second purpose going on, is that the Holy Spirit's convicting us of sin, mm-hmm. is, is driving us away. He is driving us away from ourselves and towards God. That's the first step. The second function of the Holy Spirit is? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Ooh, Brett. Concerning righteousness. Concerning righteousness. So the Holy Spirit is convicting us of sin or convincing us of sin, making us assured. Yeah, that, that's where I, I like that word convincing because no. you're convicted, you feel guilty or you feel the, yeah, I guess guilty is and always associated with conviction. Of Peter's uh, sermon at Pentecost, he convinced them. Yeah. No. You know, yep. brothers, brothers, what, what shall, shall we, we do? do? Yeah. yeah. So. Yep. That's the outcome of this Jesus. Uh, is Lord and Christ whom you crucified, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's the the personal. Yep. So now that's the first work of assurance. The second work mm-hmm. of assurance is to convict you of your righteousness, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. what Jesus did on the cross is for you. This is mm-hmm. you, the words of institution. The, the, the two most valuable words in the entire words of institution for Holy Communion are for you. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is what it is. So you are righteous, not because of your own works, because you've just been assured of your sinfulness. Mm-hmm. You are righteous because Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross in your place for your sins. Mm-hmm. So you're convicted, convinced, assured of righteousness. The final function, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> it's a teacher's pet. It's always the same person yeah, that right. answers all yeah. the questions. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Let the other students talk. No. Yeah. <laughs> and concerning judgment. Yeah. You're assured of judgment. Now, you have to look at Christ's application here mm-hmm. to get it right. The judgment yeah, is left this, open. Uh, this is the one where, I mean, just with a really simple reading of this passage, I get the con- concerning sin. I, I get the concerning righteousness. It, the judgment feels, it, it initially feels it place, feels so. out of place, but But then verse not, 11, yeah. concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judge. Amen to that. Stands judged. Mm-hmm. And there's vocation. Mm-hmm. Because the Christian life, assured of victory, mm-hmm. 
a shirt of forgiveness and a shirt of eternity, the Christian life assured is one that will be lived in love for neighbor instead of for self. Mm-hmm. And that's where vocation comes into play. So the Holy Spirit's always working on us simultaneously in the word of God for these three aspects, you know, assuring us of our sin, assuring us of our forgiveness, of our righteousness, our standing before God. That's that declaration, the double declaration of not guilty mm-hmm. and righteous. Mm-hmm. And then assuring us that our enemy, the one who's attacking us, the one who's accusing us again, remember that that Satan's primary tactic and primary occupation, not vocation, it's not a valid vocation, mm-hmm. is to accuse the brethren, mm. right? To, to bring up, uh, was it? The bros. The, the bros. <laughs> I can't remember if this was Luther or Chesterton, and it might be C.S. Lewis, it might be someone else. It's one of those things where if Luther didn't say it, he should have. Yeah. Uh, but he says, the greatest work of the devil is to convict us of sins that have already been forgiven. Hmm. Hmm. So it's the bringing up past sins. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And and this is what the Holy Spirit's doing is is that that the last two are, are the same uh, the different sides of the same coin, convicting mm-hmm. us of our righteousness, convicting us of that the enemy, which is a very real enemy, is a defeated foe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. So as we think about these three works of the Holy Spirit, doesn't that all start? with the completed work of Christ and the Holy Spirit then bringing that completed work of Christ to us mm-hmm. through the proclamation of the gospel. That's the I will send, you know, the completed work of Christ has been done. Jesus has returned to the right hand of God the Father. The perfect sacrifice of Christ has been accepted by the Father, and then it is poured out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. That's the mode it happens. And yeah. so as the Holy Spirit applies, delivers, brings the completed work of Christ to us, this is how it's happening. Yeah. It's in convicting us of sin because we're not going to receive the completed work of Christ without being convicted of sin because we don't need it. Yeah. Uh, in our minds at least. Uh the 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 middle one, the the convicting of righteousness mm-hmm. is that applying Christ's righteousness Absolutely. to us and then applying the victory to us. And so yeah. this is all done in the context that it's the completed work of Christ that the Holy Spirit works under and with to do all of this work. Does that mean that our sanctification all is in the guise of the completed work of Christ? It has to be. If, or, if, or it becomes moralism. Well, it, yeah, or it's not complete. Yeah. Or it's not complete. That's, That's right. the problem with mistaking sanctification mm-hmm. is that if we have something left to prove, then Christ was a liar. Well, or he didn't need to come. If, yeah. if our righteousness yeah. could come to the... Through the law, like Paul said, then Christ mm-hmm. would have never needed to come. Yeah, right. But it can't, because we can't be righteous. It is absolutely impossible. Yeah, because under you know, through the law, no one is righteous. And it brings us to that question: and who makes us righteous? Mm-hmm. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy yep. Spirit's brought that to us. Yep. And so, no, I just wanted to kind of just bring that up because I think that it's important for us to understand that everything is rooted and grounded in the completed work of Christ. And one of the the first and primary things the Holy Spirit was poured out to do was to bring that completed work of Christ Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to us. And it does it through conviction and all these other things, but it makes accessible the perfect sacrifice of Christ. Well, and that explains why Christ said it's to your advantage. Exactly. Because it's to our advantage because he's completed his work. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, the the incarnation is for redemption. That's the second article of the creed. Here Mm -hmm. in the third article of the creed, the Holy Spirit is applying that work as Christ is interceding for us at the right hand of the Father. It's a great, wonderful, 
total complete picture of what's going on. Yeah. And and we see this in the creed. We see mm-hmm. this in the Christian life. Our confession is that first we are declared righteous, mm-hmm. and then in sanctification, like you said, we're actually being by God made righteous, yeah. and that that doesn't find its completion until eternity. Yeah. I think the other intrinsic thing that's part of this this text is that God is revealing himself in this too. That yes, he's the one God of Israel who promised to send a Messiah to provide salvation to not just the Jews, but also to the whole world. But that the, the one God of Israel is a little bit more complicated than we had thought. That the one God of Israel is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, yet these three are one. Mm-hmm. And that is intrinsic and, and, and part of the, our text too. And of course, I'm going to bring out the Trinitarian aspect of it, but I think it's important. I do. I think it's important that God pursued us and this great triune God that we serve came and gave us a hope mm-hmm. that is beyond all hopes and gave us a remedy for the infection of sin. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the hope is tied up in that, that last phrase that convicting us of judgment. Mm-hmm. And Jesus explaining to that to us is one of the great gifts because verse 11, you know, unpacking that, like we said, is concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Yeah, for the believer, the day of judgment is a glorious day. Well, it's a glorious yeah. day. But think of all of the times we as believers feel defeated. Yeah. You know, we, or, the, or the enemy is attacking us. and To try to make us despair. seem defeated. It's mm-hmm, a despair. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I was thinking about how we talk about sanctification happening in the Third Article Creed in mm-hmm. the... The last two parts of that were the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. That really ties in with this final mm-hmm. work of convicting us of judgment. You think about death and disease. You know, I, it's so easy to feel defeated in the face of terminal cancer mm. or dementia mm-hmm. in old age. But the hope of the Christian in those defeating things is the resurrection of the body, mm-hmm. yeah. is that what we have, this isn't the lie. Yeah. It, the, the the physicalness of creation is the truth. It's the eternity. It's the pain and the corruption that is the lie. Yeah. And so you have the hope of the resurrection of the body, not that you're going to be free from your body, but that your body will finally be perfected and work the way God has designed it to work. Yeah. I'm going to bring up a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I think it's important as you touched upon someone who has dementia. And I think that's why, you know, you know, listeners, you hear us trying to to really stress the importance of not mingling justification and sanctification. Yeah. The, the danger of when you do mingle it, then what do you do with someone who does have dementia? It's despair. Do you see what I'm saying? No. And do you, do you see the destructive nature of that and why it is really so important mm-hmm. to rightly divide both law and gospel, rightly yeah. distinguish between justification and sanctification? Because that person with dementia has not lost their salvation. They have not lost the assurance of their salvation. The completed work of Christ has done its work in that heart of mind of the believer, even the believer who has dementia. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll build on that. It also highlights the importance of distilling our faith down into these confessible Rememberable, rememberable, and rememberable. No, that's yeah. good though, because one honestly, yeah. what I do a lot of times when I'm visiting someone that has that, man, I start talking about the creed, or I'll, I'll do the Lord's prayer, and they know it. Yeah, yeah. they they can't Every remember time. their son or their daughter's name, but as soon as I start saying the creed, bang, yeah, they're right yeah. there. It's right, right there. I it's the, amazing. Uh, my first few years at faith at my congregation, I had 
uh, a member of our congregation was in a nursing home and had been there for the better part of 20 years mm. and with dementia, had lost her mind mm-hmm. and, and would so troubling. First time I saw her, I would get there and she would cuss me out, I'd swear up and down. Mm-hmm. And it was unsettling the first time. Then I would bring her communion. I would minister to her. And as soon as I started with the communion liturgy, she was there repeating every word. Mm-hmm. She knew the creed. She knew the Lord's prayer. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as I said, amen, and we we're done, back to that, you know, cursing and, and, and mumbling. Yeah. And it is so highly important that we incorporate things like the commandments and the creed and the Lord's prayer as a part of who we are with this rote memory work, with this re- regular confessing, because it, it's that encouragement when, you know, there's going to be a time when our body goes to war with us. Mm-hmm. When it, it becomes the enemy, working. really. Yeah, it, I mean, it's. I, I, I think about the people who I've ministered to through the death process, mm-hmm. and it's really your body and your mind declaring war yeah. on your identity. Mm-hmm. You know, for those that aren't, you know, instantaneous death, but this long drawn out process, it's tragic to watch. Mm-hmm. And then again, you have the hope of salvation you have the hope of the resurrection you have mm-hmm. the hope of a physical eternity not some ethereal spiritual existence but a real hope that being pain free mm-hmm. and and suffering and sorrow free is going to matter and it does and, and eternity is going to be a beautiful wonderful place yes amen amen well we should wrap this up I agree. You yeah. got a verse? Yeah, a verse? Uh, always. Yes. Uh, I think this is a great reminder of us that this world is not our home. Yeah. Uh, Revelation chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. Then I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and he... They will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eye, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also, invite a friend to check us out on iTunes. Please tune in next week as Pastor Jason, Pastor Brett, and myself begin our discussion on the Lord's Prayer. God bless you and have a great week.